You are listening to a Live City Church podcast, and we hope you'll experience Jesus today. We are excited to have you join our extended online church family. If you would like further information or wish to access more content, please connect with us on our Live City Church Facebook page or visit us at livecitychurch.com. Let's read together. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 to 16. Jesus says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. Verse 14. Jesus also says, You are the light of the world, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. In your Bibles, I want you to underline that they may see your good deeds. You got that? It will cause them to praise your Father in heaven because of your good deeds. So underline that. I want to ask you a question this morning. It's a rhetorical question. I want you to consider what you've been doing in your life thus far. Here's the question. How much difference are you making in this world? It's a tough one. And, very, and if you're going to be brutally honest, you're probably going to find, like me, we, f- we fall so terribly short of the glory of God. And we play these games in church. And look, I love church. I love music. I used to go around gigging and singing. I love it. I love preaching. I love the presence of God like this. But what I love more than that is to see men and women of God just switched on and doing the things that God called them to. Let me tell you, heaven rejoices when God's people begin carrying out the tasks that God has for them. God has a job for each of you to do that we simply can't do what you can do. You are special above every other creation. Your own thumbprint is so unique, but your skill set is so unique that no one can duplicate that. The friendships that you have made, no one can duplicate that. The job that you're in, God has strategically planted you there. The school that you're in, you may think your parents made a mistake by sending you there, but God knew exactly where you should go. And those people that befriended you, God caused them to friend you because God has put you into their world for a reason. So once again, I ask, how much difference are you making in the world? Here's the harder question I've got to ask us. How much difference are we making as a church? I remember going to conference once a few years ago, and they asked this question. In fact, it was more a statement. The true test of the value of a church in a community is if you shut your doors, would you be missed? And I've got to say right now, I don't really think we'd be missed. We, we put on a Christmas program, which is great. Two and a half thousand people went last year. It's incredible. It's growing. It'll grow even bigger. But once a year isn't going to cut it. It's not about the events. 
And I want you to invite people to come to church because God is going to turn their lives around. I believe it in the presence of God. But you know what? You are called to do something even greater, to have a personal testimony with people. There are people in your world who trust you, but they don't trust me. They don't know me from a bar of soap. But they trust you. They know you. And they know that you love them. And when you have the hard words, when you share with them your story, they'll take it because they love you. God is going to do something great in 2019. Let me give you some context to this passage. Why did Jesus say, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the earth? He actually, just before that, preached on the Beatitudes. If you're new to the Christian faith and you, have not, you don't know the Beatitudes, I call it the Beatitudes. You can read it at home, the, word, the verses just before this. And Jesus makes these incredible statements, and I want you to understand why it's incredible. It sounds like a state of mind, a state of being, because he says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. He wasn't saying, if you're already meek, good on you. He was actually saying the, the position of contrition, of humility, of meekness is what is needed to shift atmospheres around you. See, that's what happens. We're called to shift atmospheres. See, here's the thing. He says, be poor in spirit, because he's saying if you are rich in spirit, then God can't fill you up anymore. But if you realize, I am spiritually bankrupt without him, I need him, then he'll come and he'll begin to pour inside of you, and God begins to put the riches and the giftings into your life. The Bible says, be meek. And we think it just means humility. It's more than that. Strong's Concordance defines meekness as meekness toward God is a disposition of spirit in which we accept his dealings with us as good. Good or bad, we accept it as good and therefore without disputing it or resisting it. In the Old Testament, the meek are those wholly relying on God rather than their own strength to defend them against injustice. Do you understand that? Meekness is not just being quiet, the quiet person. So it's not a disposition. Meekness is not just humility. Meekness is far more than that. Meekness is this attitude of the heart, an attitude of spirit saying, God, whatever I get, good or bad, is always good. Because in the bad, you have something for me. In the good, you have something for me. God, you are good. That's meekness. And the meek will inherit the earth. He goes on to say this. Be hungry and thirsty for righteousness. He's saying, he's not saying to the people who are already hungry and thirsty. He said, no, be hungry and thirsty. Because let me tell you something. You know, when a guy's hungry, ladies, just step away. You might cook the worst meal in the world. But if they're hungry, they will eat it and say, wow, this is amazing. Do you ever watch The Castle? Do you remember The Castle movie from the 90s? Honey, this is amazing. What is this? <laughs> what do you say? Sponge cake, love. Sponge cake. Well, I don't know what you did with it, but it's amazing. The hungry and the thirsty will find ways to fill their bellies. And God's saying, you need to be hungry. You need to be thirsty. Here's the thing, in my experience, those who are hungry and thirsty for the, king, for the kingdom become even more hungry and thirsty. I can't get enough of him. Yeah. See, the thing is, if you think you're full, that's the thing, you're being fooled. Yeah. Oh. If you're full, you're being fooled. 
You have to be hungry and thirsty. It's a position of, of just absolute knowing in yourself, God, I know this isn't enough. God, I know there's more that you have for me. The Bible says, be merciful because I need forgiveness and you need forgiveness. But if we stop forgiving each other, oh my goodness, we're just, whole, it's going to be hell on earth. Be merciful, the Bible says, and you are shifting atmospheres around you. He says, be pure, because a pure in heart will see God. So in other words, if you're surrounding yourself with impure things, impure thoughts, watching impure programs, and impure languages coming out of your lips, you can't see God. Because a person who sees God is able to change atmospheres. The person that is pure will change atmospheres. I remember working uh, in reservations for a, a, uh, an airline company. I first started in reservations. And I never told them I was a Christian, never said a word. And they would start apologizing when they came around me because they let a swear word go. I was thinking, how could they possibly? I had to ask, I said, um, how, hey, I really appreciate that. How come you're not swearing around me like you, you're being cautious? Oh, we noticed that you didn't swear. And we thought maybe you're a Christian or something. I said, actually, I am. I am a Christian. And thank you so much. I appreciate it. I want you to know that by your actions, by your purity of heart, people will know something is different about you. They'll watch what they say around you. They'll be careful how they act around you because you are shifting and changing atmospheres. The Bible says, be a peacemaker. When everything is going crazy around you, you're just saying, no, I'm going to change it. I'll be the person that changes it. You are shifting atmospheres around you. So Jesus is saying, you have to be salt, you have to be light. If you're a disciple of mine, so you're not a disciple of anyone, of any man. You're a disciple of Jesus. And when you are like him, you will shift atmospheres around you. People will behave and act differently around you. An atmosphere is created so you can share the story, the gospel, the good news. So he says, here's what it's like. He's using metaphors. He says, you are like salt. Think about salt for a moment. Salt is potent. That means it's powerful and strong and it serves many purposes here's some of the purposes salt melts snow in the united states where i was spending some time it snowed in pennsylvania up to here it could be overnight up to here just so much snow you go to bed and it's just starting to snow you wake up and you can't open the door because the snow is piled up so what they do is they throw salt on the snow and it lowers the melting point of snow so it has to be extra cold in order for it to ice up, but it will never become like that. So it begins to melt. I used to hate that because if there was snow, I can't get to classes. I guess I have to sleep in. No, they throw the snow so that from your doorstep all the way to the classroom to make sure you can get there. So it melts snow. In other words, it changes obstacles. Salt removes obstacles. You're the kind of person, when you see someone struggling, when you get alongside them, you can help them. The answer is in the Word of God. You are the answer. And praying with them will begin to shift and change obstacles in their lives. Salt also enhances flavor. That's the one we, all, we always know about. See, the thing is, life can be bland without Jesus. 
When you know Jesus, I love some, seeing some of the posts from Logan these days, you know, big dude muscles, but sharing his testimony raw. I wish more of us would do that. Post the things that will inspire people. Tell them about your journey. Tell them the way it was and the way it is. If you're in the middle of your story and it hasn't resolved yet, things are still bad, just wait. Pray over it because you're salt. You're going to overcome every obstacle. Salt cures. Did you know that? It cures. You know the old statement, you know, you're throwing salt on the wounds. Right? It usually means, in other words, you're insulting them even more. Actually, that idiom is probably wrong. Because when you throw salt on the wounds, it actually begins to heal the wounds. It hurts at first, but it begins to heal the wounds. Salt preserves. And I did not appreciate how important this was because I've got a refrigerator at home. I don't need to have salt to preserve food. But remember, before the days of refrigerators, armies... And explorers could never take off in their boats to go anywhere without salt. They would have no food. They'd starve to death. They needed salt. So salt enables us to carry the message of everlasting life. Wow, I know. Come on. Give it to Jesus. Salt is a conductor. If you mix salt in water, you can actually, I saw this experiment at a chapel once where the pastor cuts two cords. I don't know, it's a bit kind of crazy, dangerous. I think it was hooked up to a battery just to be safe. But he cut one cord, dangled the, 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 the cords in one part of the aquarium, the water tank, and then one on the other side and tried to, write, to light a light. Once he flicked the battery on, it didn't work. So he began demonstrating that when he mixed water in, uh, sorry, salt inside of it, all of a sudden it became a conductor of electricity. So let me put it together. You are the salt. The Holy Spirit is always symbolic of water, and you conduct the power of God. Boom. God is so good. Let me give you an illustration. Salt was so important in those days that it was almost taken as currency. You could trade with salt. In fact, we use these words, not worth his salt. You ever use that? Oh, he's not worth his salt. We don't know why we say that. Let me explain why. To be worth one's salt is to be worth one's pay. You see, our word salary is derived from the Latin salarium, and the word sal, so that's the same word, salary is salarium. It comes from the word sal, which means salt. Because the soldiers would take their money to buy salt. It was so important. In some ancient societies, roads and cities developed as a result of the salt trade. In fact, I was reading another article that said in the, in the countries like in England, if they have a, the word like Ipswich, which, that actually means that was a place where they mined for salt. So Ipswich is from Ipswich in England, where that town used to have salt. I thought, wow, I know, you're welcome. Among the Eastern cultures, Middle Eastern cultures, when men ate together, they became friends. So the Arabic expression, they used to say, there is salt between us. Or they will say, he has eaten my salt, which means now that you've partaken of my hospitality, we have now become friends. And it is immoral for you to attack my friend without me attacking you back. I will defend my friend. Covenants were made with salt. See Numbers 18, 19. Let me keep moving on. Jesus also used the metaphor of light. Light is powerful in darkness. No matter how dark it is, 
Even one little match lit up will move and remove that darkness in your life. I want you just to write this down. I'm going to read the scripture to you. Genesis chapter 1, verses 3 to 4, the very first chapter in the Bible. God said, let there be light. And there was light. The very beginning of time. Verse 4, God saw that the light was good. And he separated the light from the darkness. And it goes on to say, and there was evening and morning the first day. The very first day God made light. The Bible says God is light. In, move on to verse 14. Genesis 14 and 19. God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night. And let them serve as signs to mark seasons and days and years. Some of you, I know, you alone to believe in life and another planet. I read the scripture, and it's just for us to tell times and seasons. There's no other planets right now. I think there will be. And let them be lights in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. It wasn't called the sun and moon until later. He also made the stars. God set them in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and night, to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. Hang on a second. Didn't God create light on day one? Light from darkness. So why are we reading in this next chapter, on the fourth day, God created the sun and the moon. Where did the light come from? Jesus. The answer is always Jesus. Thank you so much, Gus. It was Jesus. So let me put this together for a moment. Okay? So at the beginning of time, before anything else was created, light was created first. Okay? And in other words, darkness is always there. If you read verse 1 and 2, there was, the earth was formless, without void. Nothing was happening. There was no purpose. There was no form. There was no structure. There was no hope. Some of you understand I'm talking about your life. It's going nowhere. Nothing is happening. I can't see anything changing. But the word says the Spirit of God hovered over the nothing. Spirit of God is hovering over your nothing right now. He's about to speak things into being. Let there be light, 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 light. And everything begins to change. I need light. Some of you guys are real sensitive guys, and you turn your light off. I started doing that to begin with, and I realized my wife sleeps through the night. But I used to turn off the light so she can sleep, and I tried to carefully, gingerly walk to my bed after I got back from the sink. And you know those Legos that you thought you put away, and they're always hidden. You can't see in the daylight. At nighttime, they come out to attack you, and there you are. You know, you know that that edge of your bed, the 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 the, the, the legs that you always avoid during the daytime. At nighttime, they're sort of like, let's just move and see if we can hit him in the leg. Come on, let's just see this guy cry out at night. You know, and I have to muffle the scream and the tears are coming down while she's still sleeping. You're welcome. When you turn on the light, the cockroaches are exposed. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And Jesus said, you are the light of the world. You getting this stuff? It changes atmospheres. A moment, a light 
is flicked on. Turn to the person next to you and say, bro, sis, you are glowing in the dark. Did you know that when you, re- when you received Jesus into your heart and you repented of your sins, the Bible says your eyes become full of light because God is light. He filled you. The demonic realm filled with darkness can see you a mile off because you are so full of light. Your eyes are leaking light. Psalm 139 verse 11 to 12 says, If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like day for darkness is as light to God. What if we became the light to our friends? What if we became light to our neighbors? What if we became light to our workmates? What if we became light to our family? See, we, we compare ourselves in the darkness. And we think, well, if he's doing that and I'm doing this, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm pretty okay. I remember... Going to my mentor once, I know I've given you this illustration before. I felt really justified over something which I can't even remember what it was. And I, and I remember talking to different people. I talked to my wife. I talked to my friends. And, and they all justified me. Yeah, yeah, I'm right. I am right. And I went to my mentor and I spoke to him, you know, being very humble as I was. But I already decided that I was righteous, self-righteous. I went to him, began to explain the thing, and he looked at me in the eye. I said, Paul, that's pride talking. And I, I knew the moment it came out of his lips, he was right. I was so broken, repentant before the Lord. You keep comparing yourself and talking to people in darkness. When there's gossip, when there's words going on, you're in darkness, folks. You can't see the light for what it is. You cannot see day. But when the light is switched on, all of a sudden it makes sense. It's like taking a glass that looks really clean in the darkness. You switch on the light and hold the glass closer to the light and you begin to see the impurities. That's why I want God in my life. Isaiah the prophet once said, when he had this picture and he had a vision of heaven, he actually thought he was a, he appeared in heaven and, he, and, he, and I'm going to try and paraphrase. He basically says, I feel like an absolute heathen. I am a sinner. I'm so dirty in the presence of God. This illustration, what do you do with salt that's lost its saltiness, is lost on us. Because our salt doesn't lose saltiness. But back then, they would harvest salt from salt marshes. And what would happen is if there was a heavy rain, the salt would actually leak out of the crystals, and they still looked like salt, but they lost their flavor. Or they'd have a little bit of flavor, so you'd have to throw a lot to flavor the food. It was useless. So what they would do is they'd take it, and they would throw it on the ground, Because it would harden the ground around it, trampling on the ground. And the thing is, because there was still salt in there, it killed everything around them. 
tasteless salt kills the atmosphere around it. It brings death. So how do you put salt, saltiness back into salt? I'm going to finish with this. I'll ask the team to come forward. In Mark chapter 9, verse 49 to 50, it says, Everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with each other. New Living Translation says, you must have the qualities of salt among yourselves. So let me wrap it up. If you've lost your saltiness, how do you get it back? Number one, God will send fire into your life. Perhaps the hell that you're in right now is because God is trying to bring you to your knees to get your attention, to call out to Him, to restore you back to what you should be with Him. The second way to become salty is to be amongst the salt. You are the salt of the world. Why don't we stand to our feet as we close this morning? Heavenly Father, we come before you as a people loved by God. This morning, Lord, we do not feel condemned. But if the Holy Spirit comes upon us, if your Holy Spirit is convicting us, do it more. Father, I pray that for every conscience that has been seared by sin that we have permitted into our life, repetitive sin, I ask right now that you would restore our conscience so that we can hear from your Spirit again. Father, I pray, clean us up. Restore us. Restore the salt that your sons and daughters would be atmosphere changers, changing the world around them. While your eyes are still closed and your head is bowed, this might be the first time that you have understood the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You don't have to wait till you're good before you come to Jesus. He loves you just the way you are. Perhaps you have made a decision for Jesus before, but today you found yourself far from him. I want to give you an opportunity this morning to get your heart right with Jesus. As I look around this room this morning, I'm going to give you an opportunity. I want to lead you in a prayer. But if that's you, you know, yeah, I need to get my heart right. I know it hasn't been right with Jesus. Perhaps this is your first time you're wondering, is that pastor talking about me? If you've got butterflies in your stomach, you know something has changed inside of you, the way you're thinking, it's like you've seen light, a light switched on. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now. If that's you, I want you to repeat this prayer with me, but I want the whole church to say it together. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for showing me the way to eternal life. I want to live forever, and I want my life on earth to be worth it. So I'm asking you to be the captain of my life. Forgive my sins when I have fallen short 
of your glory. Wash away my sins. Give me a new heart and fill me with your spirit. You died for me. Now I will live for you. Amen. Thank you for joining Life City Church. And we hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. If this ministry has made an impact on your life, we'd love to hear from you. Please drop us a line and share your story at thanks at livecitychurch.com or email us your prayer needs at prayer at livecitychurch.com. We'd love to connect with you and hear more about your story. If you love the ministry of Live City Church, you can make a financial gift to help us spread the good news of Jesus by going to livecitychurch.com and clicking the giving tab. We hope today's message has spoken into your life and look forward to your next visit.